0: Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian Season 2, Episode 8 Recap. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. The scene where Chloe is trying on her Met Gala looks with Jeremy Scott, and Kim is also in the room getting her hair done, and we see Chris walk over having just had a vodka, to me, that was one of the most authentic looks we've gotten as to what their day-to-day could look like. Like, it's not an everyday occurrence, but I have to imagine when there's that many things going on, that is exactly how I envisioned it to go down.
1: And I'm sure to some varying degree, it is there every day. I have to say though, in this episode, I felt like everyone played their role really well. Like every single person was just so on brand with themselves. Well, even when they're in
0: Milan and Simon says to Courtney, it is so on brand that you have zero involvement in this trial. (laughs) To me, that line was so perfect because it's so true. Like of course her entire family is in court every day having so much anxiety and she's in the Dolce & Gabbana fitting room drinking a cappuccino having no idea that it's even happening like that is peak Courtney.
1: It's so classic to the point where even Simon was talking about how every time he sees a picture of them in court, it makes him laugh that Courtney's not there because of course she's not there, and Courtney says something like, "Oh, there are photographers in," and he's like, "No, it's." their courtroom sketches. Like your family is in court on the line for about a hundred million plus dollars. And you have this beautiful blissfulness to the point where you don't even know that there's sketches floating around of them from the courtroom artist. Like I have to be honest with you. I envy that.
0: <laughs> but don't you feel in those moments? Like, how am I going to know more about your family than you do?
1: Em, there's actually a lot of moments that I feel that way, and it's better if we don't acknowledge them.
0: That's actually my entire life.
1: (laughs) You don't say.
0: I don't know if you'll agree with this or if you guys will agree with this because I know nothing insanely over the top happened. But to me, this was the prime example of my ideal episode of Kardashians. Like, I want to watch Kim in the shower of the Central Park South Ritz Carlton getting the blonde rinsed out of her hair while Chris Appleton supervises. Like, this whole thing, every little bit of it is the exact stuff that I care about the absolute most. Like, I watched this the same way I have to imagine people watch Friends before they drift off and go to sleep, like
1: just pure bliss. I was in pure bliss watching this. No, I agree. I was in heaven watching this. It was just pure enjoyment. And I will say that I think the behind the scenes when they're all getting ready for any major event is always insight that we love, but it hits so different when it's the Met Gala because the scale of it in comparison to the entire world of celebrity and the way that they individually fit into that is so much more interesting to me than just like an event that's solely focused on them. And
0: I think I would have felt that way even if it wasn't Kim's Marilyn moment. Like think about any time we've seen a Vogue behind the scenes video, whether it's Kardashians or anyone else, there's just something very, very special about that because no matter how famous you are, I still think the Met Gala is cool. Like even hearing the way that Kim views it or the way that Chloe views it or even the way that Chris views it, they separate this in their mind from pretty much anything else. And I then take their cue and I separate it in my mind from anything else. Not that I wouldn't anyway, but to hear them doing it, it's almost like additional permission to do so
1: in terms of the magnitude of the the evening. The person who does that the most for me is Kylie, though. Because with Kim, I think that she always keeps this excitement up. And I don't think it's a lie. I think she's genuinely, year after year, so grateful to be there and so like in disbelief that she's made it to this point in her career where this is now her ninth Met Gala for Kylie. It feels like she almost treats it and certain events. Like it's a given because of the way that her career started at a much younger age and the lack of having to fight for her place in it. But to see her still be so excited about the Met Gala, still recognize how big of a deal it is still recognize the importance of it. That to me is like, okay, the novelty is still not worn off.
0: Well, especially comparing Kim to Kylie, which is actually a pretty interesting comparison because for Kim, as we know, the first few years, she was only there as Kanye's date. It was not a welcoming place for her. And you're right. For Kylie, she was never someone's plus one. Kylie was there on her own accord every single time from a very young age. So it is. I actually didn't think about it that way until right this moment, but it's so true. Like, Aside from the fact that they approach things differently regardless, I think with the Met Gala, it carries a different weight for Kim than it does for Kylie. I totally agree with that.
1: I have to say, Em, and let's get into it, the Pete erasure was so real in this episode.
0: Too real, Julie. All we get is the top right corner, red flannel shirt holding a Diet Coke, nothing else. It's like, I know he was there. I watched that Ripley's behind the scenes video. You guys are killing me right now. I just wanted to hear his voice. I didn't even need his face. I just
1: wanted his voice. If there's an alternate universe that exists where Kim and Pete never broke up, I'm going to need to see the version of Kardashians that they got to know the comparison of what would have been in had they still been together. Because it is so, I know that we've said up until this point, like throughout the episodes, yes, I'm sure they've cut certain scenes. I'm sure that they've left things out, but we've gotten enough mentions and enough little things here or there that it's still kind of stayed true to what was really happening at the time. Even last episode, which I don't even think we fully got into when she's talking about Pete and she says like, he's going to be the JFK. Okay. For this episode to come and keeping in mind that we've already gotten the full behind the scenes Ripley video from the video that was released by Ripley where Kim and Pete are fully in it. He's holding her during that moment where she gets the dress over her but like To get none of that, I was like, oh, you guys did some shit in the editing room. You guys went a little too far. Right, like get me on the floor of that
0: editing room immediately, if not sooner. I know, it was a knife in my heart. I, okay, let me ask you an honest question though, because up until this moment, we have maintained that for the episode that is the actual Met Gala, given the fact that we had seen that preview earlier on in the initial trailer that was dropped, where she says, baby, will you quickly shower with me? We have said, we think that he will be in the scenes of the actual Met Gala episode. Does seeing the way he was cut pretty much entirely from this episode change your thoughts at all. And there's no like right or wrong. Don't do it based on what prediction you actually think is going to come true. Just what is your intuitive feeling in this moment?
1: Um yeah. I don't I I don't think that we're going to get the scene where she says that. I don't
0: Wow. Even though we got it in the trailer, you think she's going to cut that? I Okay, I could be totally wrong and I probably am and maybe this is just me being optimistic. I am still going to maintain unless Pete really wanted it out or unless there was a specific reason that was Kanye associated where she just didn't want to deal with it. I think that Kim is for the people enough that she will keep that line in. And I'm sure I'm wrong, but that is my vote that I'm maintaining.
1: I think that we will see him a little bit, maybe one scene, maybe one cut here of his voice. I think that scene's being cut. I don't know why the last season trailer clip of chloe saying why are we always making excuses for the people that traumatized us being cut has given me such distrust in the show that has stuck with me in such a profound way that i'm like i don't put anything past you guys now like of course you're going to show us a clip repeatedly repeatedly in a promo and then not put it in the show how am i supposed to trust that you're going to put pete in
0: Well, first of all, I don't think that's entirely unwarranted because that threw us all for a loop. Like, you guys remember what Julie's talking about, the scene when they're at Courtney's engagement and they're all sitting in the back room kind of having that meeting about Scott. In the preview, you see Chloe say, why do we keep making excuses for the people that traumatize us? And then in the actual scene when they're talking about Scott, there's no mention of that, which I agree with you. It still haunts me. I Maybe I'm fantasizing here, and I probably am. Like, I still kind of think that it's possible that they had that in the initial trailer and then decided to wipe any of that from any upcoming trailers that have been since then. But Kim's going to still give us that nugget.
1: M, I I really hope so. Your constant optimism never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> I just want it so badly. Like, do you remember,
0: do you guys remember the moment when we got that initial trailer? Is Kim looking at him being like, babe, will you just come in the shower with me real quick? And he throws his phone. Like that took not a year off my life, but it had to take at least a week.
1: I have to imagine, though, that maybe I guess I don't have to imagine, but I guess I can rationalize the fact that if they don't give it to us in the episode, at least they gave it to us at all. Like maybe that was just them giving us that little gift. And even if we don't get in the episode, we know 100% that event took place. We saw it with our own eyes. We got the footage of it we'll never know who they were talking about with the people traumatizing us or what the context is. So at least with the Pete thing, if it doesn't make the cut, I'll always know the reality of the situation. <laughs> and that we say, amen. <laughs> amen.
0: Shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com, Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is gonna do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I wanna tell you about Aura Frames. We'll probably end up being a little all over the place this episode in terms of organization just because there's no really right way to do it, just a lot of random things I'm sure we're going to want to talk about. I have to say though, obviously we know what Chloe ended up looking like at the Met Gala and she looked beautiful and we were so happy she was there, but in this, when she's in the meeting with Jeremy, she shows Kim how she's thinking of doing her hair and it's kind of up similar to how Kim wore hers at the Kardashians Hulu premiere. And I always wonder, what are the last minute decisions that go into place to changing that? Because if you remember, her actual hairstyle day of was kind of almost like a shorter, sleeker bob, which did look great. But I was seeing that. I was like, oh my God, I would have loved her to do an updo like that. So I wonder, like, what else were the last minute changes for any of them? Because even in this, we see the preview where Kendall's like, yeah, we were thinking maybe just going topless, which I couldn't tell if she was joking, but I kind of thought she wasn't. like I actually think that totally could have been a a red carpet moment, obviously, just for the photos.
1: I have to assume Kendall was joking, although that would have been a moment. You know, it's funny with the last minute changes. To me, the idea of that, especially before the Met Gala, is so unbelievably stressful. But I do think with some of them, the idea of a last minute change isn't as stressful. For example, Kim, as methodical and planned out as she is, she's a little bit chiller. And so if there needed to be a last minute change, especially if it was one that she knew would ultimately result in her being the best she could possibly look, I could so see her being able to flow with that a little bit. Chloe is the last one that I could see. She, to me, would be the person least likely to have any last-minute changes put in place.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're putting them on a scale, I would definitely say Courtney's the chillest. Like, even her entire approach to this, she just gets off the plane from Italy, goes into the fitting, doesn't really fully understand the vision, but kind of gets it once it's explained to her, and like and it's just happy to show up and be there, not a care in the world. Like... <laughs> You got to hand it to her for that.
1: You really do. I mean, I don't know. I keep surprising myself in these last, I think, maybe two or three episodes with my view on Courtney. Because while I can't get behind the babe still and I refuse to allow myself, there is something that whatever the two of them are selling, I'm buying. I am buying it. Like, I am the face of consumerism when it comes
0: to them. Because, okay, honestly, here's what I think it is. Yes, maybe some of the stuff is the fact that they like the public display and all of that. There's no way to fake, in my opinion, the the love that's happening there. It's like they are chill pills in human form for one another. It just feels like complete and total serenity. And I do not think that's an act. Like, I really think Courtney finally found it.
1: I think possibly also the wedding planning is really doing it for me, both the actual act of planning the wedding and the whole idea that Courtney never saw herself getting married and now it's actually happening. And on the other hand, the flying for the wedding planning, because every single time they're on the plane together, it's like that to me is where I see their relationship in its truest form. The safety that Travis feels, and not just because of being in her presence, but the way that Courtney like goes above and beyond to provide him with that safety. Like that to me is their relationship in a nutshell. Yeah, to me, it is the
0: perfect example of what I was saying before about them being chill pills in human form to one another. Like, I genuinely do not believe that Travis ever, ever thought he would get on a plane again, nor could you blame him. Like, what happened to him is one of the most traumatic things that can happen to a person. And now, I don't think he's just doing it willingly. I think he's doing it enthusiastically. Like, I think he wants to have these experiences with her and knows that getting on a plane is part of that. And I genuinely think he's okay with it. Like, to me, that's nothing short of miraculous. But, and I know we're skipping around, When they are in the fitting room and she FaceTimes Chris to show her the wedding dress and Corey answers and he's like, your mom's in the shower. And then we get Kris Jenner on FaceTime from the shower getting the first look at Courtney's wedding dress in the Dolce & Gabbana fitting room. Like that is content. That is what I was saying before of like prime example of Kardashian scenes I want to see.
1: It's that right there. I'm so glad you said about the wedding dress fitting, not that we ever weren't going to talk about it, but I'm so glad that you left that scene with the same level of importance that I did because I felt like, especially with Courtney who has been very careful in terms of what she's given us as the public for us to get that behind the scenes of the deconstruction and remaking and fitting of that wedding dress felt so insanely intimate that it, Made up for a lot in my mind of things that she's left out in the past. It felt so insanely
0: intimate, but also it is exactly on par with what she was saying in previous episodes about wanting to really illustrate her fairy tale through the show and like her previous frustrations about feeling like the Scott involvement was kind of tainting that a little bit. So, yes, I agree with you. I was really appreciative of it, but I also thought that it made total sense in terms of, you know, displaying this narrative, this authentic narrative that she wants to display. But when Chris says to her, I never thought I would be looking at you in a wedding dress while I'm naked in the shower. I was like, I never thought I'd be looking at you looking at her while you're naked in the shower. Like for Chris, that was crazy. And then for us, it was even a level crazier because we got to see both of their perspectives.
1: The thought of Corey walking into the bathroom while Chris is showering to hand her the phone where Courtney is on the other end trying on her wedding dress is one of the funniest visuals I've ever had.
0: And we got it. That's what I'm saying. Like, you want to know something? It was twofold because aside from the fact that we were getting this, actually, it was threefold. We were getting this very intimate, important moment in Courtney's life that we never thought was going to happen because she never thought it was going to happen. Then on top of that, we're getting Chris's reaction to that, which I think is additionally emotional because out of any of the kids, I think, as we said earlier, there's something about Courtney's wedding that just hits a certain nerve for Chris and then in a positive way. And then lastly, we're getting more details about Corey and Chris's relationship, meaning I know this is small and it seems so minor, but like, I think it's interesting to know that if Chris is in the shower and her phone gets a FaceTime from one of the kids, Corey's going to pick it up. Like seems minor, but to me, that's still information.
1: Yeah, I noted that, too, which, again, I don't know why, because to me, that seems like the least big deal ever when I actually think about it. They have been together for so long. In Chris's birthday post to him today, she wrote, you're the best stepdad. Like they are at the point in their relationship where she genuinely considers him to be a stepfather to her children. So obviously, of course, if one of the kids calls, it makes perfect sense that he would pick up that phone and they would not be surprised to see him on the other end of it. But that level of comfort to be able to experience it through an example as minor as that gives you so much insight.
0: But it's even forget about just Chris and Corey. Like I would be interested in that insight with anyone because I would say that at the height of Kim and Kanye's marriage, I don't know if Kanye's answering a FaceTime on Kim's phone. I don't know if at the height of Chloe and Tristan's relationship, if Tristan is answering a FaceTime on Chloe's phone, I know for damn sure Chloe's not answering a FaceTime on his phone, right? Because he probably had his phone like triple locked. So forget, I mean, yes, of course, Chris and Corey is additionally interesting because I think that we are just forever curious about the inner workings of their relationship. But like, I'd be curious about that dynamic with any single pairing. Courtney and Travis probably share one phone. Oh, 100%. I think that that's no questions asked. But don't you think there's no way if Tristan's phone gets a FaceTime at the height of Chloe and him t- being together that she was going to answer it?
1: You know when you go to a comedy show and they put your phone in like a lockbox? Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that any single time Tristan walked out of the room, he had a Dave Chappelle style phone lockbox to put his phone into. Because I have to tell you, here's my thing. What? Well, <laughs> To go back to the Tristan for a second, because now I'm really thinking about this. Tristan was communicating with Marilyn Nichols a lot on Snapchat, as we knew from the court documents and things that were released. We have to assume that there were plenty of other women that he was talking to either via text, DM, or Snapchat. The idea that Chloe would have gotten back together with him without searching through his phone if she was able to is illogical to me. Clearly that phone was just out of sight, out of mind for Chloe at any given point in time.
0: Right. So he's on his Kevin Gates shit. You mean two phones? <laughs> oh, you think he's got two phones? Yeah. Duh. You think he's going to have the Snapchat app anywhere on his main phone? To me, that is like a dead giveaway. If <laughs> you as the father of many children at have what, 20, whatever years old he is.
1: You're right. It's definitely two phones. In my head, it was just Chloe had absolutely zero access to the main one, but you're right. There's the main one and the side one that makes way more sense.
0: Which either way is such an unfortunate reality. Like you should never feel as though the only way to maintain your sanity is to be able to go through every inch of your partner's phone. Like you want to have the trust and not have to do that. But he took that
1: from her many, many times. Right. I wonder if she, I mean, I have to assume she searched a little bit. I have to imagine the temptation was there unless she really challenged herself. And it was something that they worked on in therapy together and his therapy that she joined at certain times to not do that.
0: See, as much as we've gone about their relationship in terms of like what actually went down, I don't think I have a good enough understanding or we've seen enough of them together entirely naturally to like really have an educated guess on exactly how that went down. And by the way, I know we were just having this conversation recently. I feel the same way about Kylie and Travis. I feel the same way about Kendall and Devon. S- felt the same way about Kim and Pete. The only one currently out of any of their relationships, including Chris and Corey, that I could answer with not full certainty, of course, but that I could answer with what I would assume to be the most informed or educated guess on
1: like their phone dynamics is Courtney and Travis. Right. Because that's the easiest one to understand. And I would be shocked if there was anything beyond the surface that was unpredictable to us. I think exactly what you see with them is what you get.
0: I mean, we saw a tiny little glimpse of that when they're on the plane and he's scrolling through her photos and she's like, do not swipe anymore because I don't want you to see the wedding dress. Like that was the only thing she could ever not want him to see, you know, and it directly involved him.
1: Right. Exactly. Which is, I mean... I would say that it's telling, but it's not. There is nothing about their relationship to me where I would be like, oh, that's so telling. Like, I I don't know. I I think that that's part of my current fascination with them and watching them is I think that I've moved past the phase of you guys are nauseating me to like, you guys are nauseating me a little bit, but you're so in love in a way that is so genuine that I can look past that slight hiccup in the road.
0: Yeah. It's like, I just feel inherently like a hater to so like come down so harsh on them because yeah, it's a little much at times. Absolutely. But also like, wow, that's a love that I've seen multiple times in my life and like really something that I want for myself. So I, I'm not going to hate on it. I don't think it's good karma.
1: I will say also that as upsetting as it is to not have Scott in the show, because for multiple reasons, a because we obviously want to see what's going on in his life at that time. B, because last season we got so much of him and so much insight into what was going on in the family and in their relationships via him. But also there's a clear comedic element of the show missing as a result of not having Scott. However, I do think that because these episodes don't have the contrast of Scott really going through it, it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind, and therefore it makes it easier, at least for me, and probably for you as admitted Scott apologists to really delve in and enjoy the Courtney and Travis of it all, because it's not like you're seeing the scenes of them so happy contrasted with the scenes of Scott where you're like genuinely worried about what he's going through. Okay, yes,
0: but I also honestly think, and I could be wrong, like this may not be the case, I honestly think that even if that were happening at the same time in this season as what's currently happening, I don't think that it would... Uh, like take up as much space in my mind as it did last season. It felt so much fresher last season where now it's like, not to say I don't have empathy for Scott, I obviously want him to be okay, but like if he were going through it, I think that you could be, you know, empathetic and compassionate towards him while still realizing like the two are separate at this point. And honestly, I want to see Scott in the capacity on the show of just like living his life and having fun. I don't think that his plotline needs to be at all Courtney centered. And I think that's where I'm having a little bit of frustration. Cause it's like, there's a middle ground that exists as well. It's not like we only can see Scott when it comes to him being distraught over anything going on with Courtney or him trying to navigate that. Like you're right. Scott does have a very specific comedic element that he brings to the show. And like I said, I fucking loved this episode 10 out of 10 no complaints fed me. Like I was interested start to finish, but Would I have loved a five-minute Scott cameo? Of course I would.
1: I'll never say no to that. The biggest dynamic missing from the season is Scott and Chloe. To not get one scene of them together, nothing? It's so weird to me. And I do feel like there was confirmation going into the season that Scott was going to be on the show. And to have him only in the capacity of talking to Kendall about flipping houses and that's it? Like, a little explanation, please.
0: Yeah. It does feel like we need a little explanation, especially because, and I don't know if this feels like a ridiculous point, but it just came through my mind. So I think it's worth at least mentioning. Not to say Scott doesn't have a lot of other business ventures, and I know he is completely fine financially, but the show was a huge source of income for him. And so I wonder, I mean, there's no way that he's getting paid in the same capacity that they are. I wonder what that looks like. And if he took a hit in that way, Like, I I genuinely do think that that made a huge difference in terms of his yearly income, having that.
1: Do you think that's wrong? No, I don't think it's wrong. And it could also be that he's really going through it still and maybe doesn't want cameras on him this season. Maybe it was his choice. Maybe he saw the way that people were responding to him last season and didn't want to do that to himself. But I don't know. He's such a presence. And whether you love him or hate him, I think that it's a very, very noticeable and notable thing to not have him. I have to imagine, even if you are Scott's worst enemy, like he comes across your screen and you're like, I don't even want to see him there. I have to imagine that having him not on the show at all, you're like, hmm, it feels like it's missing something here.
0: Okay, well, let me ask you a question and for anyone listening as well. If you had the choice for the rest of the season to get Scott appearances or Pete appearances, which are you choosing? Pete. Okay, and now to up the stakes for a second. Let's say there's five scenes you could get of either of them. And the five scenes of Pete are just, you know, minute to two minute ones with Kim. The five scenes with Scott are like pretty long 10 plus minutes, not just talking to Kendall about flipping houses, whether it's Courtney related or not, but we're getting a really deep look at what's going on with his life slash him and Chloe just hanging out. What are you choosing?
1: I still think it's Pete because... Listen... Obviously, I miss Scott immensely. It is an absence from the show, and if you were to ask me about the show continuing on for many, many seasons, if I had the choice between seeing Scott for the rest of the seasons and it's not like his role on the show is being, you know, thrown away altogether or having a couple of scenes with Pete, maybe I would pick Scott. But the comparison there is like a no-brainer for me. You will get Scott in some capacity. Maybe it's not on the show, but through social media, I'm sure we'll see an interview with him one day. I'm sure we'll see other projects that he's working on. Like you will see Scott again and you will get that personality back on your screen and you will still have some sort of an understanding of where he fits into the family and seeing him interact with the kids and seeing him on Penelope's TikTok, whatever. Never in your life again, I would say, not never, 99% sure, will you get. Kim and Pete together and you will never get them in the capacity of when this relationship was at its peak and it was the piece of information that you were dying the most for was just what the fuck does it look like to see the two of them together so for me as much as I love Scott I am taking that insight into Kim and Pete any day I'm taking that over everything any
0: day of the fucking week that is the only correct answer for that scenario in my opinion because to me exactly like you said, Scott, God willing, we're going to have for the rest of our lives, Kim and Pete, that is a one little moment in time. And we only have whatever the Kardashian cameras captured for X amount of weeks, X amount of months to not want that. And to not prioritize that. I'm sorry. I love Scott as much, if not more than the next guy, the choice is Pete any day of the week. And by the way, I think that Scott would agree with that.
1: I think so too. But that's also why I'm struggling with the season because I do, I love it. Do not get me wrong. I have enjoyed every single episode. I think that we've gotten some really amazing behind the scenes footage. The lack of Pete is so glaring. It is so much. And this episode, I really felt it because I, the whole time we've been operating under the assumption of like, okay, there was no need to mention him. Kim could get away with not doing it. The Met Gala was so centered around him and so centered around, like we said, that one decision to have him join her on the red carpet for one of her biggest Met Gala looks ever. And we're not even going to have a back and forth discussion of, oh, should Pete walk the carpet? What does that look like? What does Pete feel about this? Like, we're going to get a video of him at Ripley's that's already been released. And then you are going to show us that Ripley's fitting and you're going to cut off the top of his head and not even mention the fact, not even a Kim confessional of her saying, and Pete's coming with me to Orlando. Like I almost feel like I'm being gaslit here. I feel like they are acting like, now I'm like getting angry and I didn't want to, but I feel like the show is almost acting like this was a fling and Pete kind of fit into it in the second season. Whereas we were like, this was the height of the seriousness of your relationship. And we're not going to get any of that. (laughs) Right. Like he was your JFK. You walked the Met Gala red carpet in
0: Marilyn Monroe's actual dress and Pete Davidson, formerly of SNL was on your arm and we're just, it's just being removed. Like I so agree with you. That's why my tireless optimism is really stemming from disbelief. I don't believe it. I do not believe that we are going to
1: get that moment with, without him there, but you know what? God damn it, we may. I feel like those Pete scenes are like the 18 and a half missing minutes of the Watergate tapes. Julie, I swear to God, I was thinking in my head as I said that she's about to bring up Nixon. (laughs) 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 Do I know you or do I know you? I just want to know. Yeah, you know me. You know me very well.
0: So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com cbc for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash cbc to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com cbc. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. Another behind the scenes we really got with this episode is learning that Chris is the reason that Kim was even able to wear the dress because she's the one that called up Ripley's. And like when Kim's in her confessional talking about how Chris kept muting the phone, telling her to shut up, like, couldn't you just visualize that going down?
1: The same way you knew I was going to bring up Nixon is the exact same way that I knew Chris was about to walk into that confessional and go, if someone's saying no, you're talking to the wrong person. Words to live by. Like, who? I, you know what? It, it is words to live by. I really, really, really need to know what Chris specifically said. Or does she just have a way where Chris Jenner gets on the phone and you just, you know what? Whatever you want, Chris.
0: I think it's probably a combination of both, but also I have to imagine her most convincing argument was the fact that she was initially just asking for Kim to be able to try it on. That's all. It was basically just getting a foot in the door. Once their foot was in the door, then Kim can bring her magic. Then they can kind of present what this would mean in terms of the pop culture significance and now how this is going to be cemented into history and all of that. And I'm sure they were going to mention the Vogue spread and all of that, but anything aside, I think The fact that she came in with her initial argument just wanting to get a foot in the door, that probably changed the trajectory.
1: It's just always a pleasure to see Kris Jenner in action. Like, when that exact quote about if you're hearing the word no, you're talking to the wrong person, to actually see her follow through with that and a direct, tangible example of a time where they were told a very strict no and Kris worked her magic and made it a yes, like... That's the shit. That's the masterclass. Exactly. That's the masterclass.
0: But the other thing that I wanted to mention, which I don't really know if this is true or not, or if it even makes sense, but it was a thought process that I had while watching the show, not to say that they didn't talk a lot about Kim working out and eating a certain way to get into the dress. However... I feel like it's possible that based on the backlash she received from kind of her talking about it, because at the time, I remember she was doing all those red carpet interviews and it really was received, I think, by a lot of the public as her almost glorifying this weight loss and kind of glorifying the diet culture she had to participate in in order to fit into it. And she talked about it here. It's not that they pushed it under the rug or they you know, didn't acknowledge it. You saw her running in a sauna suit. You saw her kind of talking about it. But I almost feel like If she hadn't received that intensive backlash, maybe we would have gotten like a montage of her working out every single day with Mel, with Coach Joe, like a conversation with her chef explaining what she wanted to eat. Maybe not. Maybe that was never going to be in it. But I don't know. I almost feel like she would have possibly dove into that a little bit deeper if it didn't come with the backlash. But maybe that's completely wrong.
1: No, I could potentially see that. It's, you know, I think Kim's angle in this, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong based on the backlash that she got or based on my own personal feelings of, of what she went through to be able to fit into this dress. But I do think that her angle in approaching this was like, let me just show off the hard work. I think it was less about the logistics of how she was going to do it and just the sheer fact that like she was committing to doing it. And so I don't know necessarily if she would have brought us through every single detail of what she was eating, what her diet was, what her workout routine was. Like, I don't know if that was ever her intention because I think that the sheer fact that she showed even a little bit, even that scene of her in the sauna suit, even how committed she was to making this work entirely encompassed what she was trying to get across.
0: Right, which like I do think it's worth discussing, not a conversation to have right now, but just generally speaking, why it feels so much easier to villainize a woman in entertainment that's talking about going through this type of change for something that they view as a role, not weight loss for any other reason, like genuinely as as a role and something that they feel is important to their career. In comparison to when a male actor is bulking up or leaning out for a certain type of role, it's not met with that uh, same level of criticism. Because for a guy to get the levels of six packs that they need in some of these movies, you could even argue that it's, more strict of a plan that they need to go on in terms of getting their body fat percentage so low, yet somehow that feels to be continually celebrated instead of really villainized, which like if you really wanna boil it down to an analysis, it probably comes down to the fact that unfortunately in our society, it just somehow is deemed more acceptable to objectify a woman's body or for a woman's body to be the topic of conversation in a critical way that men's typically aren't.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. You know what else I wanted to talk about in the scene where Kim is working out when her phone rings and she says like, oh, we have to stop now. I have to go for closing arguments. And she makes that very clear distinction between like, I'm going because I'm a defendant, but also I'm going because this is the best law school exposure I could ever have. And she takes you really through viewing a trial that she is a part of, but from the angle of a law student and an aspiring lawyer.
0: I know. And I actually didn't really find that to be performative in nature. Whereas I think if you're someone watching this, who's maybe been a little bit more skeptical or cynical about Kim's law school journey and feel like it's potentially a little bit of an illegitimate way to do it, maybe you would think that she was really dramatizing this for the purpose of like solidifying the legal narrative. But
1: I actually think she was really interested in being there. Right. And the thing is that at the height of the trial, there was no part of me that thought about Kim as anything other than a defendant in the case. I never thought about her involvement or potential enjoyment in being a part of this as even remotely possible. But when she explains it from that perspective of like, oh, I can't wait to see the closing arguments and how everything comes together. And I've been taking notes on each aspect of this trial. To me, I was like, oh, duh, of course she's doing that, especially for her, who's probably being represented by one of the top, top lawyers who do this. Of course, she's going to learn so much from being in that environment.
0: Well, that's exactly what i was going to say the only reason that she was probably even able to experience it from a lens of curiosity and not like entirely be engulfed by anxiety is because of the deep confidence she had in her legal team one in the sense of i think she thought black china's argument was total bullshit, but she also probably felt really really sure that her lawyers were going to make the best possible case right exactly So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn For a very limited time, comments by celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/comments. That's fifty percent off and limited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/comments today. The other thing we didn't mention, which is so minor, but I know you picked up on it, and I have to imagine everyone listening did as well, when Chloe's trying on her Met looks with Jeremy Scott, and Kim's there also, and they're talking about how this is the first time all the sisters are going to be there, but that news was already leaked, and Kim makes a comment of like, yeah, it was already on Dumois, the Bible. To me, that was so intentional. Not necessarily her saying it, but them keeping it in, because there wasn't any further discussion on it, but to me, it was like a little nod almost to say... We see what goes on. Like we're in the know. We may feel above it, but we know what's happening over there on Instagram. And I can't help but feel that keeping that in was purposeful.
1: Oh, yeah. I think we've always had a really particular fascination with what they specifically do and don't see online. Of course, they have a particularly strong online presence, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok. And so if something's really viral, they're going to see it. But there's varying degrees of that where sometimes you'll have one specific TikTok, right, that goes super viral that has to do with them, where you're like, I don't know if they're specifically seeing this one thing. It's exactly how I feel about Dumas. Of course, they know what Dumas is. I think at this point, every celebrity probably does. But it's a question of how much are they consuming it? Are they consuming it only for things about themselves? Or are they interested in the other celebrities of it? Do they give it much legitimacy? Are they ever feeding it information? Like there's a lot of questions there. And I think that I'm specifically, like I said, fascinated about the way that they view things like that. But when it comes to Dumont also, the entire celeb world reacting to that is so interesting. Even Haley Bieber talking about it, saying like, you know, I'm interested in it. I'm not mad at it, but I also know that there is a lack of verification there. And I feel that way. Every single person's view on it is fascinating to me.
0: I have to imagine that out of all of them, Kim is the one that's the most up to date. I just think she's always had that kind of sleuthing part to her personality. And if you go back to early, early seasons, she was the one that said, I can hack into any voicemail. I know it all. Like, I think that Kim keeps in touch with that in a way that a lot of the others don't for some of them like Chloe, because I think reading it just brings her more anxiety and she doesn't need to feed into that for Courtney. I genuinely think she just doesn't give a fuck for Kendall. I have to imagine she likes to stay a little bit removed and for Kylie, maybe she's somewhere in the middle. But to me, if you had to ask me out of all the sisters who consumes Dumas
1: the most, if it's any of them, I'm choosing Kim. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think that when something happens online, Kim is the most aware of it. I really do. I could see Courtney saying, What's Dumas?
0: Oh, I totally could. And seriously, not even playfully or at all sarcastically, which goes back to our previous point about. There's something you have to admire about being so famous yet so blissfully unaware, just like so only concerned with the things that concern you. But I I honestly think that is why, like even just having this conversation and saying, yeah, it's probably Kim, that is why having the early keeping up knowledge like so impacts the way you view them now because yes, they've changed in so many ways, but it's facts that you pick up from, let's say seasons one through 10, that will now carry you through understanding how they operate. And I I really like stand firm in that.
1: I mean, that's our entire understanding of the family though. Like every discussion that we have of them all plays into the fact that we've watched them grow up. We have seen the ways that they've changed we've seen the ways they've remained exactly the same we've seen the events in their lives that have caused them to change their thinking or keep their thinking in certain things like oh my god it all pl- plays into one another even in this episode about the met gala like you can't understand and appreciate their role in this event without understanding the beginnings and the timeline and kim's first met gala kylie's first met gala where chloe was in all of this that she's been invited to one before but hasn't gone and now is going like it it all comes together only because of the knowledge that you have of the past even in the most minor things it's just fascinating like again it's really rare that you have a celebrity where you get this much insight to them to begin with but to get this much insight to them while also having continuous insight and things to compare it to and watch them grow and watch the way they've change. Oh my God. That's incomparable to anything you've ever gotten
0: before. Well, even in the after credits, which you guys have to watch if you didn't, it's like the last 20 or so seconds when Kylie's like, yeah, I absolutely think I'm my mom's favorite. She's like, I operate as if I'm an only child. And it's just like, oh, those fuckers over there. (laughs) She's like, it's just her and I in the sunset. It's funny hearing that now and knowing her and Chris's relationship now, and then almost comparing it to the early days, because of course it wasn't what it is now, but they always did have a special bond and Chris always viewed Kylie in a certain way because she was the youngest. Now it's her being the youngest and then also her growing into the business woman that she's become. But like, I'll put it like this. I would have enjoyed hearing Kylie say that no matter what. I enjoyed it a lot more having watched her and Chris's bond grow since the time she was what 11, whenever the show started filming.
1: But you know what else is funny about that is that entire discussion takes on a life of its own because you've seen the dynamics so thoroughly that you can then argue which one you think is actually the favorite like I will stand true in the fact that Chloe is the favorite it's not Kim it's not Kylie she may be the favorite in terms of business but Chloe is the overall favorite no question I will die on that hill but it is so funny because when we posted that post from Chris where it's Kim, her, and Kylie, and she captioned it about them fighting over who's the favorite, or like when they both think that they're the favorite. We post that with the caption, like, real ones know it's Chloe," And the whole comment section was people saying who they think it is. So many people saying, guys, come on, it's Rob. We all know it's Rob. Guys, come on, it's Kim. She's the OG. It's always been Kim. Like Everyone has their own opinion based on what they have seen of the family to play into this continuous joke that's evolved over the years. It's very, very interesting. And then
0: also, if you really want to go back, how for the first however many years, it was Kim, no question. Like This wasn't even a discussion. If you're going to tell me that in what, 2012, there would even be any other person's name mentioned when discussing it, not immediately being Kim, I would tell you that there's no way. And now it's like a real conversation, which I think also is super representative, just like the way things have evolved and changed over the years. I don't know. I fucking love this family. I love this show. I love talking about it. It is literally my therapy. I feel a million times better every single week after we record this episode. Like before even the stress of editing it and knowing if the tracks are messed up and knowing what's about to, like I I don't even care because sitting here talking about
1: it even if it was never released is good enough for me and I will die on that hill. It's the highlight of my week every single week and yeah. and not to kill the moment, but we're dwindling down to the end here. I know, and I was dreading that, but I feel
0: confident that we're going to get season three sooner rather than later. Me too. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening and letting us do this. We love you. And Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for Bravo.